We're in this series called Divine Encounters, where we're looking at stories where people in the Bible met God. They had an encounter with God. And so we're trying to, uh, you know, put ourselves into the story. What can we learn? What's God telling us about relationship, our relationship with Him through these stories? So I want us to read this first story here in, uh, in Matthew chapter 15, in verse 21. So if you, you have that in your Bible, you can follow along. Maybe God will speak to you something as we read before I even get into my comments. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. What an amazing story. I love stories like this where people who are the underdog have an encounter with Jesus, and he lifts them up, brings a breakthrough. I just love stories like that. Most of us in this room probably have at least one story like that in your life where things were against you, where things didn't look good, but you called out to God, and he reached down and he opened a door, or he put some kind of blessing or provision in your life, and it just thrilled you on the inside to know that God cared enough. Now, we wish God would do that every day, three or four times a day. That's the way we would love to see our life work. But unfortunately, God wants us to carry some responsibility in our walk of faith, not just something that He does for us. So uh, let's lay a little bit of foundation here. Uh, it said, if you remember, I, I just read it a moment ago in verse 21, it says, leaving that place, didn't tell us what the place was, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. I want to put a map of the Holy Land up here for you. Uh, Notice uh, this area that's colored uh, with the exception of Decapolis and Perea on the other side of the uh, Jordan River. This this land here between the Mediterranean and the Jordan River is Israel uh, in the time of Christ. Judea was the province to the south. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. That's in Judea. This is kind of like the religious center of Israel. This is where the temple was, and everyone had to go to the temple once a year to worship God. Then up toward the north is that region called Galilee. The Jews that were kind of ordinary people, blue-collar worker kind of uh, Israelis, they lived up in the north in Galilee. Jesus spent a whole lot of time up there ministering to those people. Then there's a region in the center called Samaria. Uh, Most of the the Jews in Galilee and Judea didn't like the Samaritans because during the dispersion where Israel went off to Babylon, 
uh, these people stayed behind. They weren't farmed off. You know, all the, all the people that had hope, the educated people, the talented people, the skilled people, they're the ones that, that were taken off. The people that were just kind of had no promise, they didn't have any skills or talents, those are the people left behind. And because they were left behind, they intermarried with the other people in the region. So they were called half-breed Jews. They had adopted the other religions of the other people, so they had Judaism that was a little bit cockeyed, it wasn't balanced, it was out of balance, didn't have things right. So the Jews that wanted to serve God kind of saw these people as the backsliders. These are the people that we don't really want to associate with. Put the mat back up. Thank you. So Jesus was in the, the, uh, the area up north in Galilee around Tiberias, which is right on uh, the Sea of Galilee or Lake Tiberias. He was up there. He went across the sea. That's a pretty good-sized lake up there. He went clear across to the other side, which is not Israel. He went over there where there were a bunch of Gentiles living. And then he went up to the region of Tyre and Sidon. You see them over to the left on the Mediterranean, clear up to the north. It's not even Israel. Jesus is up there just wandering around. What's he doing? He's on a short-term missions trip. He's gone outside of Israel. He's gone into a region where there's a bunch of Gentiles. What's he doing up there? Aren't there a lot of the, the lost sheep of Israel? Aren't there a lot of these Jewish people that really need some deliverance? They really need some preaching? They really need some healing in their lives? And he goes way up there in Gentile territory. What's happening here? This is where he encounters the Canaanite woman, and we can kind of see why he would encounter the Canaanite woman. He's up there in Canaanite territory. Not many Jews up there, Gentiles. And this Gentile comes to him. Now, if I leave this thing alone too long, it goes to sleep. Wake up. Okay, so I want us to address the question first. Why did Jesus say no to the woman? I mean, he went to her territory. You would think he'd have some reason there. He went up to her territory, and then he ignored her. She comes and asks for a question, and he just snubs her. He just ignores her. Have you ever felt that God just ignores you? That you cry out to God, you're praying, you're doing everything you know to do, and nothing seems to be happening? It's like God's just snubbing you? just ignoring you. He's completely silent. I'm going to give you three reasons why Jesus did that. Number one, because he didn't take her seriously. Is God taking you seriously? I want him to take me seriously. But maybe he needs to see something from me before he's going to take me seriously. Because he's on a mission. Do I understand what his mission is, and am I a part of his mission, or am I just on my mission? Is he taking you seriously? This is a good question for us. Because if you talk more to your co-workers about Donald Trump or Joe Biden than you do Jesus Christ, he's probably not going to take you seriously. You're all wrapped up in the world. If the pastor, the shepherd of the church where you attend, ask you when you're interacting, when you're talking with other people in the church that are also my sheep, if I ask you to wear a mask and you say, I got too much pride for that, I'm not going to do that. He's probably not going to take you very seriously. 
Because if you won't listen to the shepherd that you can see, you're probably not going to listen to the shepherd that you can't. So is God taking you seriously? Do you spend more time reading the newspaper than you do the Word of God? Or spend more time getting, your, getting informed on what's, hap- what's real, watching the news, than you do letting God speak into your heart? He's probably not going to take you seriously. He's looking for people that are serious about his walk, or about our walk with him. Here's the second reason he said no. Because she was not his mission. He said very clearly, he said, I've only come for the lost sheep of Israel. These are the Jews. I didn't come for Gentile people who worship all kinds of idols and, and chase after the dollar and do whatever they can to make it in the world. I come for serious people, people that have a relationship with God. I come for them. And she's a Canaanite woman. She doesn't really fit my mission. One of the things we're going to learn here is what his mission is. Because we need to find out what his mission is and then get behind his mission. Because if we get behind his mission, we're on his team. And if we're on his team, we can expect him to take good care of us. But if I'm on my own team, if I've ignored God, I'm in trouble. You see, this is a word picture. This is a parable being played out here. We need to understand the parable. You see that the children of God are the children of Israel. The lost sheep are the ones that have wandered off. They're a part, they belong, but they got lost along the way. The Jews that aren't faithful in serving God. The dogs don't really belong. They just hang around. You know, so he's making this, this picture. He's, he's after the children who sit at the table. Not the dogs that come along and sit down next to it, wishing, hoping that they would get something as well. So when he calls her a dog, it's a word picture he's playing out. He's not insulting her and putting her down. He's saying, you don't belong at the family table. It's the children that belong at the family table. The dogs are outsiders who come in and sit there at our table begging that they want something. How many have a dog like that? Just comes to the table, just sits there begging. Here's the third reason he said no. Because she was an outsider. He had come, that was his mission, to minister to the lost sheep of Israel. And she just is not a part of the family. She's an outsider. So Jesus stayed focused. Stayed focused on his mission. I wish we could stay focused on our mission because there's so many things to distract us away from the real thing. So many things to pull us aside. We need to stay focused. I had a problem when I was a kid in school. I had what we call today attention deficit disorder. Back then they just called it bad boy. (laughs) Marched me off to the principal's office where I was introduced to the paddle. Because I couldn't focus. I mean, 
I could focus. I could focus on that fly on the ceiling. One year they set me in the back row so I wouldn't interrupt all the other kids. Right next to the back row of seats was a window. As long as there was somebody outside that window, I couldn't focus on the teacher up front. My mind was every place else. Maybe some of you were attention deficit disorder when you were young. Maybe some of you have children who have attention deficit disorder. But one thing you need to know, Jesus does not have attention deficit disorder. He knows what his purpose is, he knows what his focus is, and he keeps aim on that. Now I'm going to ask another question from our story, and that question is, what changed his mind? What changed Jesus' mind? Because we need to know this. Because we also have a problem with attention deficit disorder. We are attracted to the news. We're attracted to our sports team. We're attracted to our, our occupation, our career. We're attracted to other relationships. We're attracted to everything else in this world. We, Jesus called that the cares of this world. But we need to stay focused I need to wake myself up. I need to stop and think. Okay, focus, focus, focus. I was, as a child, I was the first generation in this country, in this world, that had parents that were raising children with television. So I was allowed to do my homework with the TV on. My parents didn't know that's not a good idea. I had to learn the hard way. As long as there was a gunfight going on on that television, I couldn't focus on what I was doing. My mind was focused there. So I've got five of these things on why he changed his mind. Number one, because she recognized his position. She said, Lord, son of David. That's critical. Son of David. She's a Gentile. She is no part of the promises that were given down through David. Promises that said going to be in the future for descendants of David. You know, Jesus was the son of David. Mary was a granddaughter of David. They were both descendants of David. The promises were being fulfilled through Jesus. But she recognized his position. She was a Gentile, recognized his position with God. He was the son of David. He was the fulfillment of those prophecies. Good things are going to happen through Jesus. So she goes to Jesus, and she wants some of those good things. Anybody else here in this room that's a Gentile, non-Jewish Gentile that wants some of those good things from God? Amen. Of course we do. Here's the second thing that changed his mind. She submitted to his mission. She came up and she knelt down in front of him. She knelt. She took the knee. She bowed the knee to him. This is crucial. Lord, help me while she's submitting. You know, taking the knee is a sign of submission. Bowing down is what subjects would do when they come before the king. So she comes to him, and she kneels down. 
That's the second thing that she did that moved him. Third thing, she got under the master's table. That's where the crumbs drop, under the master's table. So she had to submit herself. She couldn't just do what she wanted to do now. She couldn't come up with some argument why she should argue Jesus into doing what she wanted. She realizes she's got to be a beggar. So she kneels down. Because Jesus is the great provider of blessings for the children around the table. And he says, it's not right to give the bread that belongs to the children to the dogs. And she says, well, that's right, Master. Absolutely true. But even the dogs get to lick up the crumbs that get dropped under the Master's table. So if you see yourself as a dog... Like I do, I'm not Jewish. I don't. I can't claim those Old Testament prophecies, prophecies to the Jews. I'm a Gentile. I'm an outsider. But I become an insider. I become a child when I accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I step into the covenant. I become a child. I have a place at the table. But yet, I'm also like a dog. I'm an outsider. So, Lord, let me get under the table. Maybe you'd drop a few crumbs my way under the table. This represents humility. The one thing I'm afraid the Christians in the United States don't have a lot of. At least not the so-called Christians that I read on Facebook. They are so full of themselves, so full of pride, so full of arrogance, they think they somehow have a right to assassinate somebody else's character. That's pride. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll heal their land. Not when they get so organized and so loud and so riotous that they can force their way on somebody else. That's not that's not humility. This woman gets blessings from God because she humbles herself. She says, even the dogs can crawl under the table and get the crumbs. And Jesus said in verse 24, here's the fourth reason. He says, you have great faith. He didn't say that to his disciples. He said that to the woman who humbled herself. It was the disciples who said, Master, just send this woman away. She's just like a dog. Send her away. Jesus says she has great faith because she expects if she gets under the master's table to enjoy the crumbs that fall down there. That's faith. Do you have faith? I'm not asking you to have faith that a mountain can be moved, but to have the faith of a mustard seed. Yeah, that kind of faith. That moves God. That moves God. And the fifth thing that changed his mind, she was persistent. You know what persistent means? Persistence can be good, and persistence can be bad. The negative side of persistence is stubborn and naggy. 
The positive side of persistence is tenacity. You hang in there. You don't let uh, some, some bad things that happen to you dissuade you. You hang on to your faith. You hang on to your God. You press on. You hold on. You don't give up. Persistence. She would not take no for an answer. She kept coming back. She kept coming back. Till he finally relented. That's what changed his mind. Now, the third part of my outline are some lessons that we learn from the story. Lesson number one. I got four of these. Lesson number one. If you feed a dog under the table, he'll keep coming back for more. Is that true? Common sense truth. If you feed a dog under the table, he'll keep coming back for more. All God should have to do is drop a few crumbs our way every now and then. We don't have to have the kingdom now. We just have to have a few crumbs to remind us that he's the provider. He's still there. He sees us. He knows we're there. Just give us a few crumbs along the way. And if you've experienced that, God's provision, God opening a door for you, or God closing the wrong door for you. If you've experienced that in your life, you know how energizing that is, how faith-building that is in us. But He doesn't do it every day. So we have some responsibility to hang on to our faith. Because sometimes it takes God a while to get the bread baked so that a few crumbs can fall our way. So when you pray for something, don't get upset because the answer doesn't come right now. I mean, it's wonderful when that happens. I mean, that is exhilarating. When before you even, before you even get done praying, the phone rings and there's the answer. I've had that happen before. Man, that builds me up. But sometimes I have to wait for that answer. And wait. And wait. But the good news is, The chef is preparing the bread. He's baking it. He's getting it ready. The the ingredients are already in process. We just have to wait for the timer to go off. And we know it's time to get the bread out. Here's the second lesson from under the master's table. You must kneel to get under the master's table. You don't go get a seminary degree to get under the master's table. You just have to kneel. You have to submit. You have to surrender. You have to get low. And the lower you make yourself, the higher he seems. That's what moves him when he sees our submission, when he sees our humility. Somebody say amen. Amen. Here's lesson three. She was satisfied with the crumbs under the table. Are we satisfied with the crumbs he drops our way? I want us to be. Be satisfied. Be satisfied. Well, I want more. I want more. I want more. i got to have more. You know, the Apostle Paul went to God in prayer. If anybody deserved to have his prayer answered, it was the Apostle Paul. And he went to the Lord, and he said, Lord, you know I have this thorn in the flesh. 
We don't know what that thorn was. Maybe it's some uh, addiction or some mental distress he had. Something in his life was like a thorn in the flesh. You ever had a thorn in your finger? Get a thorn stuck in your thumb? That's not pleasant. You can't do anything with, with a thorn stuck in your, in your hand. So he asked God three times, take this away. You would think that God would want to do that for somebody like the Apostle Paul. But Paul said, the Lord answered, and he said, my grace is all you need. In other words, there's a reason that thorn's still there. Sometimes God leaves a thorn in our life. We do everything we can to get that thorn out, but can't get it out. There's a reason for it to be there. Sometimes God wants to slow us down. Sometimes God just wants to humble us. Because when we're humble, then he can bless us. That makes sense? Here's the fourth lesson, and I'm, I'm wrapping this up. There are handfuls dropped on purpose under the master's table. There's an amazing story in the Old Testament I'm going to refer to here. It's, it's the story of a lady named Ruth. Ruth is a widow, a young widow. Her former husband's mother was Naomi. She also was a widow. So old Naomi and young Ruth come back home to Israel from wandering off in Gentile territory. They're old. They're both widows in a man's world. How do they provide for themselves? So Ruth, young Ruth, goes out into the field. It's harvest time. Just happens to be harvest time. And she goes to a field because the Old Testament law required that anybody who harvested grain leave some behind. You could not harvest the corners of your field. Because you had to leave some behind for the poor. All your blessing, all your harvest is not just for yourself. You had to leave some behind for the poor. And here comes poor Ruth. Wanting to harvest in a man named Boaz's field. He was a, he was a wealthy farmer. He had plenty And he asked who that young lady is who's out there following the harvesters behind and gleaning what they left behind out there in the field. He wants to know who that is. And it was explained to him, that's Naomi's son's wife, the Moabite, the Gentile, who's come back to our place. And he says, ah, you know, I'm related to Naomi. So I got my eye on her. I want to take care of my family. I want to take care of my relatives, even if they're a little distant. I want them to have some kind of special treatment. So when she follows along out in the field, guys, when you're out there harvesting, let her glean. And then he says, as a matter of fact, every now and then, take a handful on purpose and drop it so she can pick it up. He is making an opportunity for her to be successful, even though all the odds are against her. Drop some on purpose. Handfuls on purpose. 
I want us to think about that because Boaz is a type of Jesus Christ. Ruth is a type of us. And Jesus Christ takes care of us. And sometimes he'll pick up a handful and drop it right there for us to find. He doesn't, just, he doesn't say, hey, come over here and get this blessing. No, no, no. He drops a handful. I still have to go and pick it up. I still have to go after it. I still have to do my part in the process. Do we see this? Ruth chapter 2 verse 16 says it like this. I want you to make sure this comes from the Bible. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. The King James Version says the handfuls on purpose. Drop them behind. Here's the good news, church. He's still dropping handfuls on purpose. He still wants to bless us. He's promised to bless us. But I have to go looking for the handfuls of purpose. I have to go looking for the open doors he opens up for me. I have to not get mad when he won't open a door I want to be opened. I have to expect God to lead me and guide me and watch out for me. You need to let God do things His way in your life. But always remember, God is a good God. He's not a bad God. He doesn't want to hurt you. A good father doesn't want to hurt his kids. Although sometimes we have to take them to the woodshed. Every now and then we have to take our kids into the closet and teach them a lesson. Because we care about them. We want to see them grow. We want to see them not get hurt. We want to see them prosper. And God wants to see us prosper. This is what grace is. This is the grace message. We are outsiders. We're the dogs. We don't really deserve anything. But he's just waiting to pick up a handful of those crumbs and drop them under the table. Kind of under the table. You know what under the table means? It means it's not public. He just drops it. Nobody else sees God's provision. But you, you see it. Because you're trusting God to provide, and when that door swings open, you see that was God. That has to be God. This is what the, the walk of faith is, allowing God to bring blessing into our lives. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's believe that together. Let's, let's stand together. We're going to sing a song here about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the, the presence of God. And if you're one of those people that right now, at this point in your life, you recognize one of the things you need to do is get under the master's table. Maybe you're sitting at the, maybe you're sitting at the table banging your fork and your spoon waiting for some, some blessing to come. Just get under the table. Just get under there. While we're singing this song, if the Lord speaks to your heart about getting under the table... You know there's an area of, area of submission you need to do. I'm going to ask you to come to this altar. You're speaking loud and clear to God who's watching. He just wants to know our attitude. It's all about our attitude. Great faith is in the hearts, not some outside thing. It's down on the inside. That's where great faith is. If you want God to bless you, get under the master's table. If you come to this altar... We're going to pray for you, believing God's going to bring a great breakthrough in your life.